I don't know if Evan knew what he was doing when he asked me to do this uh, tonight, um, which uh, he, he wouldn't. Uh, you know, one of the jokes I learned when I was uh, heading into missions with the ELCA, with the Lutheran Church, was uh, that it was only missionaries who'd been in the field for under two years or over 30 years who said they knew the culture to which they were <laughs> sent. And since Evan's from Alabama, the over and under on that is even longer, I think. <laughs> Especially this year. Uh, so, uh, but really, seriously, uh, I do think that I wonder if he thought about this because one of the things that happens if you're a guest in a space like this as the preacher is you don't have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> and so there's this unusual and strange freedom in being able to speak. Um, and that can give you some illusions about what you ought to do with that time in that space. Um, and it's, a, it's frankly, it's an interesting challenge. And I think it's... Uh, very much connected to this gospel lesson for tonight. Um, the challenge is that what you can think is you can overestimate. I could very much and very easily overestimate a couple of different things. One thing I could overestimate is how much of an impact this sermon is even going to have in your life. Um, you know, like I could think like, wow, okay, I'll come here and preach uh, this celebration service and it will change everything. <laughs> Um, and then everybody will go out and Jesus will be alive and manifest in all of your lives and everything will be transformed. And so that would be one kind of illusion. I've, over a number of years of preaching, uh, that one's been popped completely. <laughs> in fact, uh, ha most of the time when somebody tells me that a sermon changed their life, I can't even remember that sermon. <laughs> and then the one that I thought was going to change everything was like, you know, Uh, but another illusion that I could have is, and this is the more dangerous one, is um, I could both think that I know you and then also not know you. So I could have all kinds of assumption about who it is that's listening and what it is we're all kind of considering together. I might even assume wrongly what this is we're even doing tonight. You know, what are, what are, we, what are we doing? Are we celebrating the installation of... Uh, um, a pastor and rector and priest in the life of this congregation? Or are we doing something bigger than that that has to do with the whole congregation and the celebration of the ministry of this community? Um, or are we just following the law and this 12-year consecrated bishop makes sure to install legally the priest of this church so that he can go back and sleep tonight and feel like he did his diligence. You know, I mean, there's like all these different options for what I can think this is. So here's what this is from Luke's perspective, right? Uh, Jesus has established this little burgeoning ministry. Um, it's not very big. It's just a few people. It's more than they sometimes let on because there's the 12. But then there's also, as we find out in chapter 10 of Luke, the 70. So you have these 70 that are getting sent out. So that's an indication already that this is a much bigger community than you might think. Um, also, interestingly, it's probably lots more people even than the ones that are named. So you gotta imagine, first of all, if you're gonna imagine the sending of the 70 in the most appropriate way, you have to think, okay, it's 
Jesus, and it's the 12, and it's the 70 sent out into pairs, plus everybody who cooks, everybody who cleans, everybody who makes sure that nobody lost the robes between one service and the next, and I mean, on down the line of all the different things and roles that all these people have in this community that is sending these 70 out. And then Jesus sends them out, and you think about this. Um, the 70 weren't sent to like people they didn't know at all, right? I mean, unless we're gonna assume that nobody ever went from village to village in the area, which is somewhat of a possibility. Maybe there were people who were mostly not mobile and didn't travel very much, and so they literally just knew their farm or their town or whatever, but by and large, uh, this is a group of people who has been around at least a little bit. And we even have indication in the Gospel of Luke that people move around to a considerable degree. So the 70 who are being sent out are both being sent out to what's being portrayed as a field right for the harvest. And at the same time, all those 70 that are getting sent out are thinking to themselves, oh geez, I'm going to have to go to Uncle Joe's small town tonight and we're going to see how that goes. That's your situation. <laughs> the rector shows up. He's called into this space and among you, and almost nothing is going to change. You're not going to create a new family, or build a new church building, or start some kind of new pattern in your life, mostly simply because Evan arrives, right? Did you, how many intentions did you have when you came tonight that you would change something super significantly after tonight? And this is the issue of leadership that's so tricky because there's two things at least that are true at the same time. You're gonna show up, you have shown up, and it's not gonna change anything. And at the same time, we know that leadership changes everything. And both of those things are true at the same time. And that's what's so bizarre and difficult about this. If you don't believe me, just look around and notice what the culture and the community and the world is like when you have Obama as president and then you have Trump as president and how those play. Leadership has all kinds of like fallout and implications at every single level. And so the other reality is, and Evan knows this, and that's why he's nervous, <laughs> is that it doesn't change anything and it changes everything. And we all know this. This is why they got rid of the football coach last year and tried a new one. <laughs> it's just a building year, right? This is just a building year. We'll get there. And sometimes it goes really well. You get like a John L. Colbert, right? So, I mean, this is, this is big. So they, he sends these 70 out, matters who they are, and then this also really matters. 
It matters who you go with. It matters who walks alongside of you. Now I serve a slightly smaller congregation from yours in East Fayetteville, and there are some days when I jokingly simply consider Good Shepherd Lutheran Church to simply be St. Paul's Episcopal East. <laughs> I really do. I've said that more than once. I don't know what a merger would look like. <laughs> Interestingly and humorously, we probably all should have merged as soon as we entered into full communion with one another, but we haven't done that yet because institutions have freight and weight and Anyway, we all have pension plans that we need to pay into. So there's that. But um, here we are, right? St. Paul's East and then St. Paul's. And I have to say to all of you that you matter to us so much. So much. We are who we are because of who you are. I hope that's also the same way back around. So when we have Evan, the leader, the rector, who won't change anything and has already changed everything and too many things for some of you. <laughs> It matters a lot who he comes alongside and who comes alongside him. It really does. And I hope that you as a community will realize that every time there's a transition like this, um, it's about everybody together. Where this faith community goes from here into the future is about how they go together. Um, we are being presented as the church, as the kind of churches that we are in particular, with some really unique challenges right now. Uh, I can think of a lot. Uh, the biggest one being that the bottom line assumption about what Christians are supposed to be in the world by the majority Christians in our culture in the United States runs exactly counter to a lot of who we think we're supposed to be as the called people of God. That puts us in this very unusual space. And what that means is um, probably if you're going to take responsibility for that, and you ought to, then the one challenge that I can offer to Episcopalians compared to the way Lutherans do things is maybe you guys need to be a little less comfortable. Okay, a lot less comfortable. <laughs> because there's a lot of nice cars in the parking lot. There's a lot of nice cars in the parking lot. And there's people in this room who, if we're going to be who we need to be, you're going to have to go back. And you're going to have to say to yourself, I heard a couple of the 70, and they called us to change some things because people need to hear about this one that sent us 
And it was already in the water, you know? It was already around. You've heard about Jesus from some other people, just a few, right? So it's not like you're gonna be the one to walk into the room and suddenly tell people about Jesus and they never heard about it before. And yet what we're called to do in this particular time and place is to present Christ in some ways that frankly, very few people have really heard. In spite of the fact that they've heard so much about Jesus. And the main one is this. So I'm just going to leave you with this. And I think this is where your rector is theologically too. And if not, then you'll find out tomorrow morning because he's preaching on this text. So we'll see. <laughs> but bottom line, there is so much that tries to tell us that what will happen is whatever you do, however you accept Christ, is going to get you to the kingdom. Sometimes that comes as like cognitive assent to certain doctrinal presuppositions, and sometimes it has to do with, especially because in these waters we've got a lot of maybe more liberation thinkers who think that if we just elected all Democrats that that would save us. We're just waiting for a blue wave, right? I mean, that's a load of bunk. We're not going to save ourselves, either through what we assent to or what we do. Now, here's straight up Lutheran theology, which I hope is Episcopalian theology, too. You don't have to save yourself because the kingdom is on the way to you from God. It's on its way. And what this does has this amazing impact. You know, when I, if I say this in its most radical form, the people who want people to accept Jesus in order to be saved rather than understanding that the kingdom is already on its way and salvation has already been fully accomplished, is they're like, well, then why would you need to tell anybody about that if they're already saved? If the kingdom is already accomplished and on its way, why do we need to be so busy telling anybody about it? We don't, we're not going to save them. Well, thank the Lord, you don't have to save anybody. Christ has already taken care of that. It's on its way to you. And if it is, and it frees you up radically and wildly, why wouldn't you want to tell other people about what's already happened for them? Right? People ask me this all the time. I was just in a class on campus the other day. And a student there asked me, why would you keep telling people about something if they're already all saved? And my answer to them was this. You know, way back when I got married, I told my wife, I love her. So I haven't told her that I love her since then. Because <laughs> she already knows. I mean, I told her that 20 years ago. I mean, don't you need to hear the good stuff all the time, even if you know it's true? Right? So it's not that we're going to accomplish the kingdom. And it's not like even the accomplishing of the kingdom is dependent upon our preaching of it. But if it's on its way, don't you want to know? That's uh, going to be your continuing job as a community. 
I hope we get to do it together. I hope we get to keep living into what it means to do this together as the people of God, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, and St. Paul's Episcopal, and all the other communities of faith that are anticipating that same coming kingdom. And I'm super thankful and glad that we get to do it with Evan. Amen.